It's always a joy to uh, come to Christ Church, uh, always, always, uh, over the now more than a decade of relationship. Uh, truly, truly grateful uh, to the Lord for this moment, and thank you very much, uh, my dear brother, uh, for the invitation, and uh, for uh, Karis uh, Kids, uh, a wonderful, wonderful ministry uh, that uh, this church has been very, very significant uh, in what it has become. And the relationships, the people's lives changed here, there. Uh, it's really wonderful uh, to be part of this work. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. My voice is not too good, uh, but I will try my best to uh, communicate what the Lord has put uh, on my heart. So we'll go to that passage that was read for us, which is going to really be the basis of uh, uh, my reflections uh, in the time that I have. <clears throat> As you know, Micah is one of those uh, that are called minor prophets. Micah was himself a prophet uh, in Judah, like a number of his other colleagues. At a very distressful time in the life uh, of Israel, uh, at the time when uh, Micah comes on the, on the scene, uh, the kingdom is uh, divided and uh, it's no longer the one uh, Israel. Uh, the northern kingdom, uh, the city of Samaria, the southern kingdom, the city of Jerusalem. And uh, he served uh, in the south. It was a very distressful time. And so the question really is that this passage faces us with is how, what is it that the Lord would have us be and do in times of distress, stress, uncertainty, and all manner of community um, uh, disintegration. We live at a very difficult time, don't we? We live at a time when uh, wars and rumors of wars, not just rumors, but actual wars that are impacting us. The war. Uh, uh, in uh, Ukraine and Russia is having a huge impact on all of us, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and, and if you, and you, feel, you feel the impact of it here, uh, come to Uganda. Uh, come to these countries that uh, are very, very dependent uh, on some of the resources that come from, from Europe from here. So it's really time of economic distress. But think about the people of Ukraine, uh, the people who live in the neighboring countries, uh, the people of Russia, uh, for whom their country, their people, are having to pay heavily for a very, in my view, a senseless war. I am not qualified to comment about the situation in this country. But uh, just so you know, we've been following your politics. <laughs> and uh, welcome. <laughs> uh, the, the good thing with these times is that we now can no longer say, uh, these Africans don't know what to do. Because now the English don't know what to do. <laughs> so uh, I'm so grateful the ground is level, right? So let's compare notes. <laughs> let's compare notes. But these are times of distress. 
Uh, I think one word that comes up is uncertainty, right? Uncertainty. How else? What are the other words we could use to describe what we are faced with? So uncertainty, yes? Chaos. Chaos. What are the words? Volatility. Yeah, volatility. What's the other word? Ambiguity. Distrust. Fear. 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 Yeah. Disappointment. I mean, we could say a lot more. Now, Israel, Judah was going through a similar time, possibly worse, surrounded by enemy empires that were literally opening their claws to uh, cave in, and you know the story subsequently these empires overthrew. And so as a people of God, they were asking deep questions. Deep questions. What are some of the questions that come to us? Why? 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 And especially if you think that by a relationship that you have with the supreme one, Yahweh, the God of Israel, who is the creator, and the question is, where are you? Where are you? What are you doing about this? Chapter 6 of Micah is a very interesting passage because it portrays a kind of a controversy between Yahweh and his people. It's a kind of a case. In the earlier verses, a case against Israel by Yahweh. I really like the way the prophets speak, the prophets write. This is a, quite an imagination. In a situation of distress, uncertainty, fear, there is this the prophet imagines as he reflects and has this revelation. Uh, he hears, he hears within his reflection and imagination, God saying to Israel, what went wrong? Israel, do you notice what has gone wrong with you and my relationship with you? A case against Israel. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains, verse 1. Let the hills hear what you have to say. The point here is this that there is a long history of disobedience. There is a long history in which Israel that knew who God is, the creator, God of love and justice, there is a long history of disobedience. There is a long history of corruption, of injustice, of oppression within Israel itself a justification of inequalities. I mean, you can read Amos about it. Where the poor, the rich are trampling upon the poor. Where those on the margins are completely invisible. There is no care for them. And so God speaks to Israel and says, what is in Israel, my people, is contrary to who I am. For a people named after me, God is saying, ought to reflect the character of who God is. 
The later verses that are read to us sounds more like a response by Israel. It's more like, so God, what have we not done? Why are you angry with us? What do you want with us? And some of the answers they give are very, very traditional, religious. So in verse 6, Israel responds, is it more sacrifices that you want? Shall we come before the Lord and bow before the exalted God? Shall I come with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? And if that is not enough for God, it is okay, like it happened before. Do you want us to kill the firstborn? in order to make you happy. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for blood? This reflection by Israel is a manifestation of their imagination of who God is. A God who is thirsty for blood. A God who is vengeful, vengeful. A God who, what are the other characterizations you sense in this passage? And so their understanding of how they ought to relate in order to be pleasing to God is to please God sacrifices, certain religious activities. Sacrifices, fulfilling the laws as have been given. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? And I wonder what we, the people of God, living today, the nature of our conversation with God. It's very typical. Don't we also think that the answer to these times of distress that we face is, let's call for assemblies, prayer nights, what are the other things we do? Let's build better buildings. What are the other things we do that we think God will be happy with? More religious activities. And in fact, we might even imagine that in order for something more radical to happen, there must be some shedding of blood. Have you ever questioned or wondered how come it is that Christianity itself has been associated with bloodshed? We can and we should. You should deal with a history in which the British Empire is part and parcel of the story of the domination, the devastation, the plunder of peoples and nations. And all that while the United Kingdom, the kingdom, is ostensibly worshiping Jesus. What kind of God do we imagine that enables us live in the way we do? And so they are asking a really good question. What does the Lord require of us in this time? And for whatever we may say about Israel, there is something here to learn. 
they are asking the right question. What does the Lord require of us? At the end of the debate, they come back and they say, Lord, what do you require of us? You know, I've discovered as I grow older that it's not the answers we give that matter most. It's the questions we ask. And part of our challenge is that the Christian tradition has not helped us to ask good questions. In fact, we are more prone to providing answers for questions no one is asking. I still can remember as a young student at university and we are doing an evangelistic campaign and the theme was Jesus is the answer. And I was passionate. I was going around the university campus. Jesus is the answer. And one young lad simply asked, what is the question? What are the questions now? But what is the question we ought to be asking? And I think that Micah focuses us on this critical question. What does the Lord require of us? But in that question is the deeper, who is the Lord God who we ought to serve here on earth? And it's that answer that Micah gives. He has shown you. Micah says there is nothing new. God is consistent because God, his character, his nature is consistent. He has shown you. From the history of you as a people, God has shown you. You ought to know what you ought to be and do. Because God is consistent. He has shown you, O oh mortal man, what is good. What is it? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. These verses are powerful. They are big in my own life. For when, as a bishop in the city of Kampala, for about, I had served at that point for about five years, I had been deeply distressed by the circumstances of my own country, but more particularly the city in which I served, Kampala. In fact, the gift of Karis Kids Ministry here uh, in Kampala, it's Karis Family Link, had connected me with your very own uh, Bishop David Williams now. He came to Kampala through this work. And I tell you the story how David because in what we required within this work is that when you connect with a church, the pastor of that church needs to participate in it. So it's not a project, it's a work of the gospel. And David, amazing man, he had come to Kampala, responded as this church was linked to Kalere, where my brother Brian has been. But David did something that was remarkable. He slept in Kalere. The day, the night he slept in Kalere, he came back to my office and told me the story of how a child had drowned in the home. Because when it rains in this area, there are floods. And because of the nature of the homes, the homes are completely, totally flooded. We can tell the story. And I'm sure that uh, our colleagues here can show you some of those pictures. But here is what happened. 
As David tells me the story, I realize that I myself had not actually been able to sleep or live or experience the life of these peoples. And I was really deeply challenged. A year later, I made a decision that I would go to leave for one week, Holy Week of 2009, to sleep in that very place. I was foolish because I prayed that it could rain. I was foolish because I prayed for a total experience. And I don't think uh, God answered my prayers, but it rained. Because you don't have to pray too much in the rainy season in Uganda. It will rain anyway. Uh, so don't take credit. Sometimes we, credit, we take credit for answers to prayer for things that we really have nothing to do with. Anyway, it rained heavily. And guys, I freaked out, freaked out completely. I'm speaking about the impact of this work, the connection, the partnership. But this verse, this verse was one of those verses that spoke to me. That as I live in the distress of Kampala, with the people who do not know where to turn right or left, what does the Lord require of me as a bishop in this city? Let me encourage you that you ask that question for yourself, your family, in this moment. And it is very easy that in times of distress, we retreat into our own cocoons, the safety of our family, the safety of, right, uh, save the money, you need to look at your savings, you need to, what are the other things you do, and uncertainty. My, mine, mine, me, you know, a focus on yourself. And yet, the invitation here is that in times of stress and distress, open your eyes to those who are suffering the most, those on the margins. He has shown you, O oh mortal person, what it is that is good. Open your eyes to those on the margins of your society. Open your eyes to those who during this winter have no warmth because the bills have gone up high. Open your eyes. He has shown you three things, and I won't be too long because you've read this passage a lot. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly. Justice is about undoing systems and structures that create conditions of poverty, of marginalization. Justice has to do with undoing systems of racism, systems that create inequalities, economies that do not work for the poor. Justice, my dear friends, is about breaking down systems and structures. God says to the people of Israel, there are systems in Israel that perpetuate inequality, that perpetuate hunger. I say to my friends who focus themselves on, let's make poverty history. God says the problem are not the poor. The problem is not poverty. Friends, I can still remember the campaigns in this country. Let's make poverty history. No, it's not the poor. We need campaigns to make greed history. Systems of greed, of which you and I are a part. Systems of more.
accumulation more and more and more and more. We must act justly. And it is act. It is not more prayer meetings. It is act. That the people of God are called to be activists for justice. When your government is creating laws that should send away those who are finding themselves on the borders of this country, Christian people, gospel people, must be arguing for immigration laws that open this country. Act justly. There are laws that are on your law books that are intended to perpetuate systems of injustice and on. I wish we could go on. Act justly. Friends, it's not in the nice spaces of our churches, not more prayers, not more sacrifices, activists for justice. The question I put to you, is this church going to be a site for activism for justice? to make greed history. Love mercy. Mercy is to do with compassion. Mercy is to say that when you see the naked, you clothe them. When you see those who do not have and you have, you give them. Don't waste prayer energy to go and pray about it. The fact that you see them and you have more, don't pray. Just give to act in compassion. But for churches like yours, for people like me and you who are privileged, for I am one with you in privilege, isn't it true that often those on the margins are blind to us? We don't see them. We don't see them. Compassion is the gift of God's eyes to us to see those who pay heavily and to act in compassion. And yes, to give food to those who are hungry. And yes, to contribute, to get into your account. You have good savings, amen. That is where compassion is really wanting you to look at your account. Is that okay? And walk humbly with your God. That all this in our power will dominate the other. Ah, friends, you know how it is how we think we need to help them because we need to take of our goods and help them. Ah, a humble walk with God reminds you that you yourself are unworthy. You yourself have what you have, not because of anything about you. For everything we have, we have received. There's nothing that you have that you haven't received. And walk, humble walk with God reminds us that God who by his grace has given us the Lord Jesus to die for us on the cross, that you and I, because of him, 
must live lives of generosity. A humble walk with God. Why? Because as you walk humbly with God, you live a life that is a reflection of who God is. God is love. Your life is enveloped in love. God is justice. Your life is constantly asking, oh Lord, how can we break these systems and structures of injustice? Because you are a just God. Our God is holy. How do we connect with the other, the people who are unlike us? How can this church reflect how Winchester looks like? Because our God, who is holy, is constantly reaching out to the other who is unlike us. God, Jesus says to us, love your enemies. Love those who are different from you. A humble walk with God causes us to be a people who live indeed filled by the Holy Spirit, constantly asking that question, Lord, what do you require of us? Do you understand how this is different? But in times of stress and distress, the invitation is not to check how to keep safe yourself. You are already safe. It's to look at those. God, open your eyes at those who pay heavily, pay heavily because of these systems and structures that perpetuate inequality. What does the Lord require of you and me? To act justly, to act in compassion, and to walk humbly in dependence on God. God bless you.